It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. You're listening to Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Eats in deep, right wing corner to deep. Taking some calculated risks here and doing a job of it. Got it to Thornton in the corner. Walks in front, centering feed, and the shot by Hurdle. Score! That was an absolutely sweet, saucy pass by Joe Thornton. Right on the tape for Tomas Hurdle. Absolutely no chance for Marks from to get it. The Sharks lead 1-0 with 9-10 to go in the first. Now Pedersen's on the move. Up the middle of the ice. Takes the shot. Classic influenced it just enough to put it high and wide. Pedersen center. Save. Made by Dell. That was off a one-time shot by Miller. Two great chances by the Pedersen line. Now the long pass comes to Meyer. Across the line. Drop pass Kane. Back to Meyer. Shoots. He scores! Timo Meyer goes top shelf. A brilliant exchange of passes with Evander Kane. And the Sharks have the insurance they so desperately need. A 2-0 lead with 12.51 left. Right now, Pedersen near side. As for Vancouver, Sharks zone. Besser to the point, Hughes. Hughes with exchange. He holds it. He shoots it. That's blocked in front. Vlasic broke his stick, blocking the play. Mark Edward Vlasic taking the stick now from Logan Couture. Here's a slap shot. What a late slave off Miller. A glove stopped by Aaron Dell just as the Couture Vlasic stick exchange was taking place. Uh I mean, we, we got a practice in yesterday, so it was nice to uh, um, you know, get our lines together and uh, um, work uh, some offensive zone play that we're, we're trying to establish. I think that uh, um, both ends of the ice, really, we worked on a little bit of def different defensive structure. So, um, you know, all in all, it was nice to see us, uh, um, you know, have the start we did. I think that helped us, obviously, uh, get the result that we did. Uh, just little minor ones, but I think the main thing is we just got to compete. I think if you compete, you have a good chance in this league. So just... Uh that's the bottom line. Just work hard and see see what happens at the end of the day. All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tide. Ted Ramey with you as always. And, yes, I talked with you Thursday afternoon in the midst of a coaching change after the presser, but we've seen a couple of games since then. Got a lot to get over in terms of that regard. Uh, let's start Thursday night. And Thursday night was not a quote-unquote recipe for disaster but I think there was a lot going on in the hearts and minds of the San Jose Sharks. And I'm not trying to take any of the blame or the pressure away from them. Not that they're deserving of blame and or pressure, but I think it was a situation where the guys were, some of them probably a little bit shocked. Some of them were probably upset. Some of them were probably um, just not in a good headspace to be playing a game. And I know that they would all like to tell you that they are able to take their emotions and divest themselves of these feelings the minute they take the ice. I believe that in many instances that can be true, but it's not always the case. Some of those guys, Pete DeBoer was the only head coach they'd ever known in the NHL. Some of those guys, you could tell they really, really respected and appreciated everything Pete DeBoer was bringing to the table. I think that it's hard to be a human as much as we think these guys all leave it off the ice 
some of that comes with you onto the ice, whether or not you wanted to. And I think that was one of the things that we saw on Thursday night against the Rangers. And it was just a bad game start to finish. I mean, they just did not play well. They did not. Well, let me take that back. It wasn't bad start to finish. They didn't finish. And that turned it into an unmitigated disaster. They collapsed in the third period. And that's how, listen, if you give up four unanswered goals in the NHL, particularly in the third period at home, it's not going to end well. I don't think that I have to go over that very deeply. But, uh, you know, there's still guys that are getting over everything that happened with Pete DeBoer in that game. And you're, you know, in the midst of a losing streak heading into it. And then you suddenly have instability. It's, in my opinion, probably not going to go well. And that doesn't mean that these guys aren't capable of winning in these instances because, look, they were able to, you know, watch their captain in the playoffs go down with a, what looked like a severe head injury, and they responded by scoring, you know, four goals in less than five minutes and suddenly thrusting themselves into overtime and getting a win against Vegas. I mean, they, they're able to, you know, separate themselves and their emotions at times, but this was different because it almost felt like piling on. It was just a lot for the team to take in the midst of this losing streak, in the midst of the disappointment in the early part of the season. And not even early, but just what the season had been up to this point. And so now you have these guys thinking that maybe some of them felt that Pete shouldn't have been fired. Maybe some of them are angry at themselves that they didn't play hard enough for themselves, their team, or their coach. All those emotions were at play on Thursday night, and that's why you had a, a poor finish in my in my estimation, the Sharks did many of the same mistakes that we've seen them do previously, and it led to a poor performance. And that's unfortunate, but they were able to put it behind themselves quickly. They have the practice with Bob Bugner, and suddenly they come out on Saturday night. And to me, they did not look perfect by any means, but there was reason for encouragement. Let's start off with Dell in and of himself. Deller played a great game. I thought that he looked really, really good. They're sticking with him for another game. We heard that in the postgame, Bugner is going to go have Jones work with Nabokov. They're going to try and get his game right. It was paraphrased what he said. But I like the fact that they're sticking with the hot hand. But Dell made some huge saves, made some big-time stops, um, was able to you know go with the hashtag two or fewer for the Sharks and played a really good game. But that doesn't mean that the Sharks played a flawless game by any means. And I know everybody's focusing on the second period is when they felt they didn't play their best hockey. But I looked at the first period, and there were two instances in which they had really bad defensive zone giveaways um, that put Dell damn near dead to rights or just put him in an unbelievably bad situation where the Sharks committed severe errors. And if you commit these severe errors, you're going to pay for it. Now, Dell bailed them out in two situations, but they didn't commit those mistakes in the second and third period. And I know that in the second period, they didn't like their overall play, but they didn't make those severe mistakes. They still made mistakes in the second and third period. I'm not going to deny that, but they didn't make the severe mistake in the second and third periods that could have put them at a deficit or could have allowed the game to be tied or could have allowed momentum or any sort of leverage or anything to slip away from them that was the main thing that I was looking at in this game they did not make those bad bad mistakes or able to keep themselves from pain from them and you combine that with overall clean hockey you're going to put yourself in a position to win and that's exactly what the Sharks did now that first period I thought they could have been rewarded with more than one goal credit to Vancouver for withstanding the 
uh, force that the Sharks brought out in the first period. But I loved the fact that the Sharks played aggressively, that they used their physicality, that they were trying to get more shots off, that they were playing that quote-unquote instinctual hockey that we heard Bob Bugner be associated with. You know, you've got big bodies out there in Hurdle, in Meyer, and in Jumbo. Use those to your advantage. Same thing with Patty. I mean, if you've got some mass, if you can bring a little bit of pain, if you can play a harder brand of hockey, then that's exactly what you need to be doing. That's exactly what the Sharks need to be doing game in and game out. Be the aggressive team. Be the team that it hurts to play against. Be the team that when you're done with that game, you're going to feel it. And I thought the Sharks played that style of a game in the first period in particular. Now, yes, it wasn't like that start to finish, but I think we will see more of that brand of hockey as we begin to learn what Bob Bugner is going to do with this San Jose Sharks team. And to see that physical brand, to see the Sharks playing that quote-unquote downhill hockey for much of the first period in particular, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved to see them play that way. And they could have been rewarded with more than what they got in the first period in particular, but you're still, you win the first period, it comes to a close, you're up one nothing, and you're able to build off that for the rest of the game. And the fact that, again, they didn't make those really, really heavy mistakes in the second and third period. They didn't play flawless. They had, took some bad penalties at times, and yeah, you get the flip that, you know, goes over the over the boards and into the crowd. That's, you know, that's a frustrating one because you understand what, you, what the guys are trying to do there. They're just trying to get it clear, trying to get some space, but it happens. But there were some other ones that you just saw where you thought to yourself, you know, did you really need to hold there? Even if it was quote-unquote ticky-tacky, it's what happens. But you don't want to take as many penalties. But they didn't, they didn't find themselves overwhelmed. They kept their heads cool, and they, they played just kind of a more sound brand of hockey. And that's not to mean that they were not playing as, you know, weren't playing unsound hockey under Pete DeBoer. I just think Bob Bugner probably said before the game, I want less risk, even if it means less reward. And so you saw them a bit more committed on defense. You saw them a bit more. I, I'm having a hard time with saying whether or not it was quote-unquote safe because I think that's a bad take. I just think you didn't see them try to make the cute pass. You didn't see them try to do something that was going to be, again, that high-risk, high-reward type of situation. You saw a little bit less of that. And I'm sure there are times where we are going to see Burns or Carlson or whoever it's going to be uh, go for that kind of home run pass. And I don't have a problem with that if you're not – trying to predicate your entire game off of it. And I thought there was too much of the earlier in the season where we saw too much of the the cute pass or the overly high-risk type play because you're trying to make something happen. You're trying to turn things around for your team. Everybody starts playing hero hockey. There's enough talent on this team night in, night out where you don't need to play hero hockey, where you don't need to be trying to make something happen at every instance. The Sharks are good enough. They are talented enough to where that shouldn't be the reality. And I think that was part of what led into the dismissal of Pete DeBoer is that too often you were seeing guys try to play that hero hockey to try and make something happening when the argument is they don't need to be in that situation in the first place. And if a new voice was needed to try and hammer that home, then that's what's needed. But ultimately the Sharks played, again, not safer, but just a more sound brand of hockey and they were rewarded for it. And a lot of that had to do with Aaron Dell. Aaron Dell had a really nice game 
and we'll see if we get more and more of that going forward. I really, I really hope that we do. I really hope that we get more of Aaron Dell playing really good hockey. I hope that we get more of Martin Jones playing really good hockey and stopping all the shots that we know he's capable of. Because Martin Jones, we, we know what he's capable of. We just don't know why it's so inconsistent. And hopefully this work with Nabokov will lead him to be better. But we, you know, we talked to Pierre Lebrun about this in the offseason, and he said that you know so many of these teams in the NHL are trying to split their time between their two keepers to keep their A guy their A guy and get him the rest that he needs, and guys play better with rest. That's the reality. We know how valuable rest is right now, and so if you can get more of a back-and-forth uh, sharing of the time between Jones and Dell, Dell and Jones, whatever it's going to end up being, then good. You want this team to be performing at its highest level at all times. And as we've seen more lately, Timo Meyer, he's looking more and more like the guy we all expected him to be this year. Hurdle has gotten over the little banged up state that he was in earlier. He looked more like himself, particularly on Saturday night. Jumbo, listen, he's 40 years old. He's rounding into form. I like what we've seen out of him as of late. I like that they're playing him and Hurdle and Banker on a line together. I appreciate what we're seeing out of that. Um, you know, things were going to round into form for the San Jose Sharks, but I think that the switch at the head coaching was kind of that kick in the ass to say, we're going to make this happen sooner rather than later. And everybody knows right now that they're all responding to a situation that they helped themselves get into. I'm not putting the blame all on Pete DeBoer or his coaching staff, and I don't think anybody on the San Jose Sharks is putting the blame on Pete DeBoer in his coaching staff entirely. I think they're all saying, we are all complicit. We are all to blame. We all share how we got into this, but we need to get ourselves out of this faster, and we need to find ourselves playing our best hockey and that means making sure that Eric Carlson is at his most effective. That means making sure that Brent Burns is at his most effective. Those two guys, so much of what the Sharks are trying to do is predicated about on those two guys. So you need to make sure they're performing at their highest level. And that, that, that's, that's the job, or one of the jobs for Bob Booger, is to maximize your all-world defensemen. Same thing with Vlasic. Maximize his abilities. They didn't just disappear. You have to figure out why it's not playing to the level we all know it's capable of. And so that's not to say that you know Burns and Carlson and Vlasic haven't been good at times this year. It just hasn't been consistent. And you need those guys to be consistent. That's how the Sharks have designed this team. But you also need that consistency from your forwards. And I know that one of the arguments this year has been the Sharks' lack of depth at forward. But you do see a lot of high-level play out there. <laughs> uh, you know, I know that's part of the 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 the. the Overall narrative is, well, they don't have the depth at forward that they did, which might be true. They had incredible depth at forward before, and they don't have it as much right now. But still, you've got Couture and Patty and Timo and Kane and Jumbo. I mean, you just go down the list. You're looking at high, high-level caliber players across the board. It may not be the same team design that it was previously, but you're looking at options and guys that you can go to that can give you results on a night-to-night -night basis and you need that consistency combined with high caliber goaltending and if you put those together the Sharks are going to be a hell of a lot better than their record is right now and now you have to see can they consistently play this brand of hockey can they consistently be you know not cleaner not safer but just play this overall sound brand of hockey and I think that's going to be the test if the Sharks can do this especially in the midst of this homestand, and they're going to thrust themselves right back into the thick of things. But then 
can they do that as they go out onto the road again? And can they do that as they get deeper and deeper of the season when guys get banged up? They've got a big challenge against the Coyotes on Tuesday night. The Coyotes are a good, good team. Then you get a little bit of rest until Saturday when you get the matchup that we all want to see against the Blues. The Blues, they're not quite as good as they were last year, obviously, but still, this is a rematch of the Western Conference Final. You want to see how the Sharks match up against the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year. So let's see how they match up. Let's see what improvements the Sharks are able to make with a good amount of practice here under Bob Bugner. This is a stretch, and this is something that I got into with Jamie Baker that he really talked to me about the importance of practice. And it's not just because there's a new head coach, but Bakes, to me, always hammered home the importance of the Sharks getting this practice in because he always talked about how the fact that the Sharks season year after year starts and then they go out onto the road. And so they're not able to get that early season practice once the games have started. Well, now the Sharks are going to get this ability to get these practices in. They're going to get this ability to really look at themselves and see what they can do to make it a better product on the ice. So they get Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And I'm not, I don't think they need to kill themselves. I don't think they need to play a, a brand of hockey that they are not capable of or trying to, you know, just kill themselves to bring out the best. They just need to find a flow. And we saw that flow at times last year. They need to find that again. They need to find that overall rhythm and timing and magic that we saw out there on the ice at times last year and you combine that with getting healthy and suddenly the Sharks are going to be right in it again all right let's switch gears after the game on Saturday night I was able to talk to Brendan Dillon and this is what he had to say after a nice win to break a six game losing streak I am joined now by Brendan Dillon defenseman for the San Jose Sharks here on Morning Tide uh what's going on man uh, yeah. I'm assuming you're in a good mood after the win right Always, always nice to get a win. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's it's been a while. It seems like when you when you lose a game or two, especially when you get into that four, five, six range, uh, you're just searching for anything you can to get a win and get back uh, get back in the good good sound of things. I'm just curious. I couldn't think off the top of my head previously when you were with Dallas if there was a coaching change midseason. Have you been through this before? I haven't. No. Uh, when I first got to Dallas, um, you know, I was in the American League for for a year and a half. Um, came out in the lockout. Came up in the lockout year, and uh, th that following year in the summertime, they made a coaching change to Lindy Ruff. And uh, for for me, that was kind of just um, just excited to be up there, excited to be in the NHL. And uh, at that point, you're kind of running on adrenaline for your first, you know, 30, 40, 50 games. And um, you know, once I got to San Jose, that was kind of a, I guess, a mid-season change for me going mm -hmm. from Dallas to, to Todd McClellan when I came to the Sharks. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's the thing about the NHL is, is you're, you're kind of learning on the fly. You got so many games in a short amount of time and there's not a lot of time to necessarily, um, you know, just, just completely adapt. You, you got to go out and play, uh, your teammates, your line mates are usually pretty good about helping you out in those instances. And, uh, but to have something like this happen uh, with a guy for me that I've had for the last five years, uh, it was a big shock. And I, I think to the, the core group of us that have been here for, for Pete's whole tenure, yeah. um, you know, it definitely sucks. Yeah. And I, I want to say your first year here was 14-15, right? And so that year the team did not make the playoffs. And it was coming after um, the reverse sweep to the Kings. The Sharks got up 3-0, then lose four straights. And I think there was a hangover effect a little bit just because, it, you know, it that might be a lazy media take, but it seemed like there was that impact. Did you 
feel there were any parallels happening this year right now to maybe some of the inconsistencies you saw in your first year here? Um, you know, you don't want to compare too, too much to that because uh, unfortunately that wasn't a, a very positive season for the Sharks. We not making playoffs that year, it was it was tough, especially with the, the team that we had. And, and I think for this year, anytime you sign guys like an Eric Carlson to mm-hmm. to a big deal, um, you know, you're not in rebuild mode. You're, you're definitely in a win now. And, and I think for, for us with the team we we had coming into training camp and, and even now with with the team we are here 34, 35 games into the season, uh, we feel we can be successful and we know we've got a good group and we know that, uh, you know, this is the team that we're going to have to get through things, work through the tough times together in. But um, I, I think any time you do start to have a loss or two, uh, you want to stop it right there. You want to stop that snowball from really accumulating and, and get back in the win column. And, you know, for us, we, we had a tough start to the year. We go through a great November when whatever it was, 10 to 12. And next thing you know, you're, you're right back in the playoff race. Yeah. And I'm curious for you how frustrating it's been knowing how good you guys have been on the penalty kill, but that hasn't translated to the even strength play. Have you been able to figure uh, that out? And I'll say you're rolling your eyes a little bit because I can, there's frustration uh, there. Yeah. I mean, if, if you can figure it out or, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, uh, there's, there's a bunch of things. Pie, I'm still trying to figure out and, and why the sharks can't, can't defend well, even strength when we got the best penalty kill in the league. And, it's just a weird, weird, weird thing. You know, we, we take a lot of pride in the penalty kill. We take a lot of pride in, in you know, blocking shots, killing penalties. Mm-hmm. And we need to have that same mindset, I think, five on five. We we seem to have it for bits and bits and pieces of games. And there's certain instances where you go through a whole game and you're like, wow, look how well we defended. Wow, look how well, you know, we played defensively. And I think a big thing for the Sharks, especially for us this year, we, we find a lot of success offensively when we play good defense, you know, mm-hmm. when we break out well, when we defend hard, we usually can catch teams with our gap from the defense or turning pucks over. So, uh, the, you know, if we can really dial that in, I think we're going to have more success. Has it been frustrating for you when you've heard people talk about the defense being an issue? Because you're a defenseman, but it's yeah. obviously it's more than just the guys playing the blue line. It's a team it's a team issue, I would put it that way. Exactly. It's it's anytime you talk about shutting other teams' top players down, anytime you talk about, you know, teams scoring or, or being well, it's it's never one player or two players. It's it's usually a five man unit and especially for us on the defensive side of things, there's five guys on the ice at all times and, mm-hmm. and I think for us when when we watch the film the next day, when we see where there's defensive breakdowns, uh, a lot of times, you know, it might start in the neutral zone. Um, are some of the defense guilty for things? Absolutely. But uh, I think that's why you have four other guys on the ice, so whether that's bail your buddy out or a goalie to make a save. Um, there's a bunch of different things that, that have to happen. But we uh, we definitely, if we can have that same mindset, um, you know, we're, we're starting to get more and more guys on the train of it. And when we win, we, we definitely see the, the reap the benefits of it. So you worked with Bob Bugner before, obviously, before he went to Florida. He's back again now, the interim head coach. Um, what's it been like with him over these first two games with him at the helm? He's he's a fantastic person, first and foremost. But but coach, he he really gets the game. He's a guy that's he's played the game a long time. He's coached the game at different levels for a long time. And, and I think for having the assistant coach before getting to know the players at a personal level and especially the defenseman, which uh you want to build from the back out and that's what our team definitely is um i think he he understands that now and when he came in the first thing you know he wasn't trying to be pete you know he wasn't trying to be be what that was he's he's bob and he's a guy that that's came in and wanted to tinker with a few things and and i think those are going to really help us in a positive way they've they've uh, whether it's offensively defensively 
he's really approached it with, you know, a blue collar kind of workman mentality, but also with kind of the freedom to make and create offense on our own. Awesome, man. Well, I will let you go because I know you got stuff to going on and you want to celebrate a Saturday night after a win, but really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Good stuff there with Brendan Dillon, who in the grand scheme of things probably gets overlooked for how good of a player he is because he's playing next to Derek Carlson, Brent Burns, and Mark Edward Vlasic, and a lot of those guys get so much uh, attention around the National Hockey League. But A, he's a very good player, and B, he's a very good talker, and I really liked his uh, just overall introspection. And he's enough of a veteran now. He's been around in the NHL, and he knows what it takes. And to get him to try and acknowledge that they're all trying to figure out why the team is so good on the penalty kill, but they're not like that when it's even strength or five-on-five, it's confusing. And, you know, when I was talking to him about it, I said in the interview, you can see him rolling his eyes, but he just, you could tell that he was searching for those answers. And I don't think he was frustrated with the question. I think he was just trying to be like, yeah, I mean, we don't, we should be better and we should be capable of doing this when we're even strength, not just when we're, you know, at a deficit, when we're on the kill. So getting his insights on things and looking at what they have been up to this point, I thought was really good. And I think that This is one of those things now where the veteran leadership that the Sharks have is going to be all the more important because if you do this type of a move with a younger team, I think it would have more of a negative or unsettling effect. But this is a team that has Eric Carlson and Brent Burns and Brendan Dillon and Jumbo and Patty and Logan Couture and, you know, Mark Edward Vlasic. And I know I'm leaving some guys off there, but – These are veteran guys who have been with the franchise or have been big names in the league for long enough to where you can look at them and say, can you make up for any lack of stability that's going to be part of what we're going to do here over the next couple of weeks? Because you can get emotionally charged in one direction or the other. And I think it's going to be these veteran guys. It's their task as much as it is to play well, but to channel the nervous energy of the younger players to channel the instability that we're going to see here because things are going to be changed. Can they bring their game up? Can they keep their emotional floor steady enough to where they can allow the team to rest on their shoulders while they continue to find themselves? And that, to me, is going to be a huge part of what the Sharks are trying to do right now, of what they're trying to transition into to be this hockey team that's going to be better than what they were previously. And it's one of the things that I think was probably a factor in Doug Wilson trying to make this decision. He probably said to himself, do we have the ability to weather the storm right now? And the storm is the change brought about by the switch at the head coach. And that's, to me, a big part of this. He looks at his guys. He looks at the veteran leadership. He looks at the guys who are in the dressing room and says, can we handle this? And that's, a big part of it because not every team can handle it. And we're in the process of learning whether or not the Sharks can handle it, obviously. I mean, if they don't make the playoffs, if they falter from here on out, we'll know it was just too much. And I'm not going to say that that's anyone's particular fault or that it's the wrong move because, listen, when the move was made, the Sharks were not in the playoffs. And they're not in the playoffs yet. But you're giving yourself an opportunity before it's too late to put yourself back in that position. You know, the gauntlet has been dropped. We all see where things are right now. Doug Wilson sent a very distinct message to the players on the team, to the fans, to the coaches that were out, to the coaches that are in, and he even said it himself. It was unacceptable. 
The team was playing at a level that he considered to be unacceptable, and now it's on all parties to get this right. Thankfully, the talent is there. Thankfully, the veteran leadership is there. What it now comes down to is the execution. Can you get Deller and Jones to play as good as they're capable of being? Can you get Eric Carlson to be the guy that he is capable of being? And I got to say, for Eric Carlson as of late, he has looked more and more like the guy we all expected him to be. And I know that a lot of people have been somewhat you know, frustrated by what he is in terms of not being a defensive defenseman that you're going to spend that much money on. Um, yes, he has a more offensive slant to his game, but there's a reason why he's racking up points the way he is. And there's a reason why you can see him now influencing the game in a way that's unique to him. And when you have that out there on the ice, it's a, it's a huge boost to what you're trying to do. Eric Carlson, as he continues to recover from the injury, which I think is too often overlooked, guys say, oh, well, he had the surgery, so he's, so he's fine. No, he was fit. He was in shape. But I think we're watching him evolve into the player that we all know he's capable of being. And over the last few weeks, it's looked more and more like the guy we all expect it to be. In terms of the power play, which is another one of these issues we're focusing on with the Sharks, it's got to be better. There's no doubt about it. But that's going to take a little bit of time. And I think that's also, you don't have the tip play. Brent Burns has been a little bit out of sorts. But by the way, Burns and Carlson were out there for a lot on some of those power plays, which of course you have to wonder about tiring them out for other situations. But you need to get the power play clicking. And it's going to take some time, obviously. But once that power play does start clicking, once you see that start to happen in combination with their penalty kill, and then, of course, you add on to that the hope that they're going to be better in even strength, then the Sharks are going to be the team we all expect them to be. And that keeps on coming back to our whole idea of the Sharks this year. Why haven't they been what we've expected them to be? Why haven't they been able to play at a level that we think they're all capable of? And in terms of response, in terms of coaching change, in terms of a new voice, it's all part of the equation. And I talked about this on Thursday, but the fact that Jumbo, who's been around for so long, was reverential to Pete while at the same time saying that a new voice was probably needed. Pete DeBoer had taken this team to the Stanley Cup final, to the Western Conference final, to the playoffs. When you get year after year of ultimately not achieving that goal, it's hard to sell the guys on the goal the same way. It's hard to go out there and play the same system and see it not yield the results that you ultimately want it to. And I'm not blaming DeBoer. I'm trying to look at the overall factors that are playing into the Sharks not being the team that we expected them to be. And I think there was, again, the weight of failed expectations in the past, the fact that you'd gotten there with this system before, you'd been on the cusp of history, but it came up short. Last year, you found yourself in the Western Conference Final, and you came up short, and you're going back to this guy, and he's telling you to do these same things over and over. Suddenly, the results aren't there on the ice. Suddenly, things are problematic. You're losing on the road. You need to do something before it's too late. So that was Doug Wilson, in my opinion. He looked at this and said, the response isn't there as it was before. We need to take advantage of this and put in a new voice that will able to that will be able to get us to win hockey games again, that will be able to put us in the position to get into the playoffs and make that deep run. But it sure gets interesting now, doesn't it? I mean, we all get to see, okay, is this going to work? Is this going to be enough of a catalyst to get the Sharks to play at the level we all expect them to play at? 
or that we know they're capable of? Or is this team going to fall short? Is there an issue with team design? Is there an issue with age? Is there an issue with expectations being too high? Did we overvalue what guys like Meyer and Hurdle can bring to the table in a given season? I don't think so. And the answers are change based on maximizing player performance. And if that is that instinctual way that we heard Bob Bugner talk about, then good. This isn't about who is the right coach or the wrong coach per se. This is just about getting the team to play at the level that we all think they're capable of. How is that going to happen? It wasn't happening previously under Pete DeBoer so far this year. But now you have a new voice, you have a new leader, you have a new team design that we're going to see develop before our eyes over the next couple of months, and you'll get to see what this Sharks team, this Sharks team, this year, is capable of. We know what they did in years past. We've seen them in the Stanley Cup Final. We've seen seen them in the Western Conference Final. We've seen them make deep runs in the playoffs, so we know there is relative talent there. But can this year's team maximize, write their own story, and push themselves on a deep run into the playoffs. That is what's remaining on the table right now. That's what we don't know. We are entering the unknown right now because things have been relatively topsy-turvy up to this point. You've had six-game losing streaks. You've got a new head coach. You've had uh, you know, an offseason with a superstar signing and another superstar leaving your team in free agency. The last, listen, the last calendar year, 2019 for the San Jose Sharks, between Eric Carlson getting hurt, between the Sharks getting to the Western Conference Final, between Pavelski going down and then eventually coming back and then leaving the team in the offseason to Carlson getting signed to making a change in head coach. It's been, it's been quite a ride, right? It's been not maybe what we all expected, but it's been entertaining. It's been all over the place. And now, hopefully, we're entering a period of relative calm that is defined by wins. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. A big thanks to Brendan Dillon for taking some time out to chat with me after Saturday night's win. And, of course, a big thanks to the San Jose Sharks fan base for tuning in and, of course, to the San Jose Sharks for making this show a reality. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.